0: and a very big welcome to you. It's awesome that we can come together from wherever we are in the world here at Victory Life Church Online. If I haven't met you already, my name is Pastor Craig, and I'm really excited that you decided to take some time out to continue this journey about finding the correct balance in our self-esteem. Who are we when we look in the mirror? Are we what we say we are? Are we the labels that we give ourselves? Are we the, the names that people have called us? Are we, do we have the abilities that other people see in us? Or are we reflecting what God sees in us? Are we seeing what God has spoken over us? As we journey through the series entitled Mirror, Mirror, I'm really, really excited that we can take a moment to practically look at bringing our self-esteem into balance. Let's pray together, and then we'll jump into this session's message. Father, we thank you that we can come together from around the world, and we can share your word with one another, we can grow with one another, and we can practically get better. We can practically learn how to be better at worshiping you, how to be better at exalting you in all that we do. Father, will you pray? We pray right now for healing over broken hearts. We pray right now for fears to be gone through the process of this message. Father, we pray for people all around the world who are caught up in feelings of inadequacy, of guilt, and of condemnation. Father, we ask right now that your word break open these things and lives are changed around the world because of your word for us today. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, as I mentioned, we're busy going through a process of having a look at our self-esteem. And last week we began the new, brand new series entitled Mirror, Mirror. And that was a series that, or a message that started off our process or our thinking on inadequacy. Are we feeling like we have a sense of inadequacy? We unpacked the concept that, hey, maybe we're putting up barriers between who we think we are and what God says we are. And we had a look at some of those barriers. Maybe you related to some of them while we were talking about them last week, that we could put up that barrier of fear, the barrier of hurt, the barrier of inadequacy, the barrier of control. We start to, to think that we are what other people have told we are, us we are, and we lock ourselves away in that thought process. We lock ourselves down to say, yes, that's what we are, what people say we are, and we start deriving labels for who we think we are. And we forget that God has already defined who we are through His promises and through the truth of His Word. But as we put up these barriers, we veil what God wants us to see in the mirror. We can't see through a veil. We can't see through these blockages. We can't see through the walls that we've put up around us. And so we lose track of what God says we are, and it's different to what we think we are. We began this message series to have a look at how we can put down who we think we are so that we can become who God says we are. And if we have a look at our theme scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, it says this, So all of us who have had that veil removed, once we can take away those barriers, we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. The more we can take down these barriers of our insecurity and get our self-esteem in balance, through Jesus Christ, who is the Spirit, the more we'll be able to reflect who God has called us to be. The more we'll be able to reflect what God says that we are. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 puts it like this. God has given us grace to speak on a warning about pride. And Paul says, I'd like to ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion and not create a false image of your importance. Instead, honestly assess your worth by using your God-given faith as the standard of measurement, And then you will see your true value with an appropriate self-esteem. And we took a look and we realized that to have an appropriate self-esteem means that we have to get rid of this lack of self-worth as much as we need to get rid of ego. We need to get rid of our, our, our unfair or unwarranted humility as well as getting rid of unwarranted pride in our lives. It wasn't about being prideful if you've been humble or being humble if you've been prideful. No, it's about looking towards Jesus to help us be healed from the things that we've put up in our lives so that we can begin to walk life in balance. And we're going to take a look over the next couple of weeks, over a couple of things. Last week, if you didn't get the message, click on the links, click on the message and have a listen to that. We had a look at feelings of inadequacy. How do I put down, how do I unveil God's reflection of who I am in the mirror by putting down my feelings of inadequacy? And we learned that it was more about God's adequacy than our inadequacy. It's more about who God is in your moment than the moment that you're And this week we're going to take a look at Control Freak, our need for control. How do we put down our need for control? And then we're going to be taking a look next week and the week after at those of us who seem to think that sometimes we can stamp our foot and say, I have a right to be angry. I have a right to be offended around this or that. And then the next week after that, we're going to be taking a look at people, my personal favorite, our longing for approval. If anybody's ever told you that you are a people pleaser, well, then that one is for you. And We're going to lay down inadequacy. We're going to lay down the desire for control, and we're going to lay down the, our right to be offended and our longing for approval. Today, though, we're going to take a look at being a control freak. Now, for those of you around the world, for those of you in the room, why don't you raise your hand if you're a control freak, and if you genuinely are a control freak, get the person or push up or raise somebody else's hand or look to your left and right and think to yourself, I wish so-and-so was here. I'm going to get them to listen to this message. I'm talking to all of you control freaks over here and in the room and all around the world. I want to raise my hand and say, in some instances, of my life, I am a control freak. I love knowing what's going on. Maybe you might be thinking yourself, "No, Craig, I'm not a control freak." Well, if you are here today and you're thinking that somebody else should be here, well, then you're beginning to become a control freak. Maybe you are control freak in one area, but not a control freak in others. Maybe in your personal finances, you have budgets, you have. Spreadsheets, you know where every penny's going and where every penny comes from. But when it comes to your children, you might not know where they are all the time. You might know where every penny is, but when you're at Walmart, you have no idea where your children are. Maybe you're laid back when it comes to your children, but you're a control freak around your finances. Maybe you are a control freak at home but in the workplace, well, not so much. Anything can kind of happen. You're kind of a good part of the party at work. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe at work, you are the control freak, but when you get home, it's just relax, and there's no need for control. I want to say to you that when I have a look at my wife and I, we are completely in different places. When it comes to my wife, when it comes to being in control about our social calendar and making sure that we seeing people and that we, we get to be out with people. Leanne's not so phased about making sure she sees a lot of people. She's not a control freak when it comes to our social calendar. But let me tell you something, the 618 Pharisaical laws have nothing on my wife's manual on how to pack the dishwasher and how to clean the kitchen. In the kitchen and when it comes to the dishwasher, my wife is a control freak. Maybe, however, she's not like me. I don't really worry about the kitchen and how the dishwasher gets packed as long as it kind of gets packed and everything's in there and it gets switched on. I'm okay. But believe it or not, I'm also okay with not having control over the remote control. My wife is the control freak when it comes to the remote control. I'm one of those husbands that have been control freak remote control liberated. I, I don't need to have the control in my hands. I have relinquished that control to my wife, but let me tell you something. When it comes down to me having my Wi-Fi and good bandwidth, for Pete's sake, I am the online campus pastor. I need to have Wi-Fi. I have recabled, relabeled, relayed out the entire home network. I've I've put in new routers, and I am a control freak about my wi- Wi-Fi, and I need to know that there's good bandwidth, and I've done every I can to make sure that there's bandwidth at home. Some areas of our lives, we are complete control freaks, and other areas of our lives, we are not. We tend in the areas where we try and take control to micromanage, to to really know what's going on, to study up, to have control, to put everything in its place. And when it's not just a thing that we can control, when it's people or circumstances that we try and control, well, then we can even go as far as getting involved in, in trying to manipulate situations, circumstances, or even people we, we might even bring out the passive aggressive uh, when I go into my son's room and I look at see that he's streaming on the Wi-Fi and he's using all my bandwidth and I'm trying to get some work done or a file uploaded for the online community. Well, then I drop comments like, oh, it's okay. Your Wi-Fi on your Xbox is obviously way more important than my ministry, And I walk out of his room. I I click over to this passive, aggressive, control freak. And I just default. And sometimes I can't even see that I'm doing it in the mirror until Leanne says to me, hey, that was a bit harsh. And I go, what? It's my Wi-Fi. I pay the bills around here. I need Wi-Fi. And then I step up into my more silent treatment and Kevin shouts out it from his room and says, Dad, the Wi-Fi is down. And I just completely ignore him, thinking in the back of my head, Well, one day when you can afford to pay for your Wi-Fi, you can complain about the Wi-Fi. And I click over to become this father from hell. Because I have lost control over an area in my life that I really want to have control over. And I don't even realize that I'm becoming this micromanaging, manipulating, passive-aggressive, silent-treatment kind of dad. And all because I've got this need for control in an area of my life. Maybe it's not necessarily a person that you want to try and manipulate or control. Maybe it's the circumstances. Maybe you want to have the perfect house You want to have the perfect yard. You want to run people's schedules for them so that they can be on time when you need them to be on time. Maybe it's very important that your eight-year-old son has a certain style of hair when he goes to school because that's, you believe, what's going to help him get into Harvard. And you try and control circumstances and you try and control the things that impact those circumstances. There's only really two reasons that we're ever going to become control freaks. The first is that we genuinely think we know best. Man, when it comes to my Wi-Fi at home, I am the Wi-Fi guru. I know how to bounce signal around and spoof IP addresses and do all these crazy things to try and maximize my bandwidth. I know what's best for the Wi-Fi at home. And so I begin to see and control begins to manifest in my life when I genuinely believe that I know best for that situation. The other area, and this I think we, we genuinely fall into the second area more often, we're either trying to control because we believe we know best, or we try and control because we're trying to protect ourselves from the worst. Either way, we, whether we're trying to pr- protect or control because we know best, Or we're trying to protect and control because we don't want the worst happening to us. Either way, control is stemmed from fear. Control comes from an excessive amount of fear. Have a look at what it says in the control freak version and Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 to 6. In the control freak's version, it reads like this. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart and lean on your own understanding in some of your ways acknowledge him and you will make your own paths straight that's what it says in the new king and uh, the new control freak version but when we have a look at that scripture that's not what it says for those of you who are listening to that scripture don't generally read your bible you might be looking at that thinking well that kind of sums it up that's a good ideal to, to to kind of just give some of the situation to God, but to take your own understanding into consideration. That scripture doesn't read like that really it says really it says trust in the lo- in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. So when it comes to this control, We need to be able to give up the fear that drives it and give up the circumstance and the person that might be creating that fear so that we can allow God to reflect in our lives all that He is in our moment. But the crazy thing about giving up control, the crazy thing about that sense of feeling like you're losing control drives you to want to have more control. And the more control you want the more evident it is that you're losing control and the more control you try and get hold of. The more you dip into a relationship that you really want to be involved with and you tend to try and, you, you tend to try and lose control and you, you slowly but surely give that person trust and then they abuse you and they hurt you. So you take the control back stronger, but then you you want to lose control again and you slowly start to trust again and then that hurt comes again. So you take control even stronger and eventually you're not losing control. You're just holding on to every bit of your fiber of who you are so that you don't get hurt so that the pain doesn't seep through, so that the feelings of inadequacy, the feelings of rejection don't manifest and you become this absolute control freak, not allowing anybody in, not allowing anything out. No circumstance will happen around you that will remind you of the hurt that happened before. No no expedition, no adventure will happen in your life because you're so scared of giving away control again and being hurt again. Or maybe you had an idea and you really believed that your idea was the best idea. So you put it out there and it was rejected and your pride was dashed and your ego was hurt. And you get into the same fearful cycle. The more you try to control, the more you get afraid of losing it. And the more you're afraid of losing it, the more you try to control. It's the cycle of fear. Fear is control freak gone bad. Fear is control gone bad. Fear, whether it's control to try and show that you know best, or whether it's control to show that you are protecting yourself from the worst. And really, we get so cocooned in our fear and in the process of control that the veil goes up so much so that we can't see who we are in the mirror anymore. We can't even see that we're control freaks anymore. Maybe we even put terminology to it, like this is what God wants. It says in Scripture to guard your heart, and I'm guarding my heart. Well, you've got the wrong motivation. If your motivation is fear, God's not giving you a spirit of fear. God's not reflecting fear back to you. He wants us to give us he give him our understanding. He wants us to give him our control, so that it can go better with us. There, there's a, a story of of somebody in the Bible. His name was first of all, his name was Abram, and his wife was called Sarai. But then, that God changed his name to Abraham and Sarah. And he was a guy that loved to be in control. In fact, God knew this, and with a sense of humour, God called him to leave his home. And go to the place to which I will show you, says God. He didn't even give... Abraham any decent directions. There was no God-given Siri for Abraham to look. And and, and God knew that Abraham loved to be in control. And Abraham was really good at being in control. In fact, he got into a situation a little bit later on in life where some men were trying to do things to his wife or or potentially would do things with his wife. So he took control of the situation and he said, no, no, this is my sister and it's not my wife. So to be able to protect his wife and, and his family. It goes on. In fact, this control freak kind of side to Abraham and Sarah um, became so real that God had promised Abraham a son. And uh, in Genesis chapter 16, verse 1 to 4, it says this. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, "'The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant,' And have a look. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Perhaps I can take control of the situation and manipulate the situation for the outcome that I want. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. Now, you might be thinking, what has that got to do with control? Well, if you have a look at that story, God had promised Abraham a promised land. He had promised Abraham a promised seed. He had promised Abraham a promised future. He had given Abraham a promise. But Abraham regularly took control to protect himself or to see that what he thought was best came to be. And so as a result of this control freak in Abraham it kind of said, well, what was so bad about that? Where was the order of the day? Well, when you have a look at the, at the offspring, he, he later on had a, a son by the name of Isaac from Sarah, and he had the son was called Ishmael from Hagar. And these two men became the offspring or the seed for two very distinct nations. Ishmael became the seed, and, and became the, the, his offspring became the Palestinians. And to Isaac... His offspring became the Jews. And even though Hagar and Sarah fought in the tents at that time, obviously, and even though Isaac and Ishmael fought in their generation, obviously, one was a half-brother, one was a full brother, one had a half a blessing, one had a full blessing, one was kind of the the blue-eyed boy, and one was kind of the the second-rate solution. And in the end, these two boys didn't just fight between the two of them. their nations that came from them And to this day, we have conflict between the Palestinians and the Jews. All because Abraham decided that he knew best and was going to take control. And Sarah was fighting to have control so that she wouldn't feel the hurt of Abraham having no offspring. And so because of the control freak in both of them, man, have we had trouble through the ages. You might still be sitting there. You might still be sitting there saying, what has that got to do with me? What has that got to do with what I'm thinking, what I'm going through? Well, maybe you're a Christian woman and you're looking for a Christian husband. You're looking for a Christian man. And instead of settling on waiting on God and doing all that you can do to make that move forward in God's plan, you've taken the situation into your own hand and you've settled for just an ordinary man, not a believing man, not a Christian man. And you're finding yourself getting some benefit from the relationship, but it's not quite what you had in mind. Maybe you're sitting right now in a financial difficulty, and instead of working through that financial issue, you take matters into your own hands, and you go and lend money that you can't afford to pay back, digging the well and the hole even deeper. Maybe you have a job that you need to get, so you're going to take matters into your own hands, and instead of praying the blessing of the job into being, you're going to exaggerate on your resume a little bit more. Maybe you are sitting right now thinking, I can't afford to run my finances according to how God wants me to run my finances. I'll begin tithing when we are out of debt. You have taken control, and you think that you either know best or you have taken control because you want to prevent the worst happening to me or to you. There's a couple of questions that we need to ask ourselves to understand, when do I need to lean in and when do I need to relinquish? When do I need to control and when do I need to humble myself or open myself up? In Luke chapter 10 and verse 41 to 42, it's the story of Mary and Martha, uh, two women who attended to Jesus, and uh, one went its, its, its one, her one way and prepared everything in the kitchen, and the other one sat at Jesus' feet and listened to him. This is what Jesus said to Martha. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary, who sat at my feet, has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You see, in the moment where our control freak rises up in us, in the moment where we want to control, we need to ask ourselves, in this moment, is it worth my concern? Or should I just completely leave it alone? Is it really worth the fighting and the issue that's going to come from your children not packing the dishwasher in a certain way. Now, some of you might be going, yes, Greg, there's a God-given order in the dishwasher. Well, is it really a matter for your concern and your control? Whether or not your eight-year-old son goes to school with properly combed hair or not, or how clean your kids keep your beautifully manicured and kept car and vehicle, is it really worth the concern? We're not talking about, hey, do I matter, does it matter that my marriage is in shambles or that my parenting is losing my children's relationship or that my relationship with God is suffering? We're not talking about these things. We're talking about the things that really don't really matter. Is it really worth my concern? If you're a control freak, maybe you want to put that question on your radar when you feel that control starting to sur- surface in you, when you're feeling that control, that desire to control, whether it's for ego or for protection, it doesn't matter. When you're feeling that control welling up in you, ask yourself the question, does it really matter? I sometimes ask my kids this question when they're squabbling. You know, when, when, when they were younger, they would line three glasses on the counter and they would try and get the soda poured into the glasses at exactly the same level because they wanted to make sure that everybody got the same amount. And when one poured a little bit more for themselves than the other, the other would break down and say, no, that's not fair. That's not... And I would look at them and say, is it going to kill you? Is it going to kill you if the dishes in the dishwasher aren't packed in a certain way? Is it going to kill you if your children leave a McDonald's cup in the cup holder in the back row of your vehicle? Is it going to kill you? Is it worth your concern? Or is it, is it able to be left completely alone? Now, that comes to embracing some things that might irritate you. Not packing the dishwasher straight might irritate you. Not having everything ordered in your vehicle because your, the whirlwind of children have been through there it might irritate you. One of the things that irritates me the most at my home is when I get home, and as I've mentioned, there's no Wi Fi because my kids are all at home doing their thing, Snapchatting and on Xbox and sending us video links to watch and experiencing what colleges look like and downloading videos about soccer teams and having a look at how to do this and how to do that on on YouTube. And they're growing up. They're 17, 18, and and 14 now. And and they're starting to explore the world. And and their exploration of the world is detrimental to my Wi-Fi. Now, I can't improve the bandwidth at our home. We've got all the ears in that area. But one day I'm going to have all the bandwidth to myself. One day I'm going to have all the supersonic speeds I need for myself. But I won't have my children in my home anymore. And so when it comes home down, I need to embrace the Wi-Fi dead spots. I need to embrace the Wi-Fi, lack of Wi-Fi for the moment. Because I can ruin a relationship with my child now by trying to take something or take control of something that really has no concern when it comes to a greater picture. Hearing my children play games with one another, hearing my children in the house and just being happy to be home and being happy to be there with their family is far greater a concern than whether or not I have Wi-Fi in the moment. I can't tell you how big it is for me to say that my family knows how big it is for me to say that I'm I'm looking and thinking through that, is it really of concern? Is it going to kill me when it comes to Wi-Fi? Because they know how important Wi-Fi is to me. But whatever is important to you that you are trying to hang on to control of, you might want to just open up the notes tab right now and start typing in things that you really struggle to give control up of. Maybe it's your eating habits. Maybe it's a certain type of food. Maybe it's a certain type of behavior. Maybe it's a a process of of cussing that you just can't get out of. Maybe it's a habit that you have with another addictive behavior or an addictive substance. Whatever it is, embrace a life where if it doesn't really matter, you are able to give it up. Is it worth my concern or can I just leave it alone? The first question you might want to ask yourself. The second question you control freaks might want to ask is this Is it mine in the first place to control? Is it mine to completely control? Or am I able to be open to others about this matter? It's the difference between putting something, putting control down, and taking responsibility. Maybe you are tight financially. Well, take responsibility, get a budget. Maybe you're worried about your kid's future. Well, take responsibility. Spend some time with them. Maybe your marriage is struggling. Well, take responsibility. Get some counsel. Maybe you worry that you'll never again get married or get remarried or get married again. Well, take some responsibility. Get out. Get involved. Join some activities. Have a bath. Take a shower. Put on some deodorant. Brush your teeth. There's a level of taking responsibility that doesn't mean that you're taking control. And so the next phase of understanding your control mindset is, is it mine to control? Or can I share this with somebody else or with others? Taking responsibility involves releasing some control. Ego and pride versus accountability. I struggled with this when it came down to things in my life that I wanted to keep secret. I wanted to have control over what people knew about me, what people knew about my marriage, what people knew about my insecurities. I wanted to keep control of this because I didn't want anybody to know the hurt that I was going through. I I didn't want to open up to others. I didn't want to seek counsel. I didn't want to go ahead. In fact, my whole mindset was like James chapter 4 and verse 13, which, which speaks about today or tomorrow, I'll go to this place, or I'll spend the year here, or I'll open up here, or I'll guard this, or I'll do that, or I'll do the other. And and James says, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. How are you going to keep control of where you're going and what you're feeling? That's my pride. That's my ego. That's my fear of being hurt controlling me. But James chapter 5 and verse 16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You see, when I'm able to decide whether or not I'm going to white-knuckle this matter or whether or not this matter is of serious enough concern that I need to take some responsibility for it, A control freak will never open up. A perfectionist will never declare that they've made a fault, that they've got an issue. But somebody who's willing to relinquish some control and responsibly move through the matter with others, giving them wise counsel and helping them and keeping them accountable, well, that kind of lack of control, says James chapter 5 and verse 16, is going to cause healing in your life. So we've got matters that we can completely ignore. We've got matters that we've taken control over, that we we think are going to cause us to die, that really are of no concern. We can just leave them alone. We've got matters that are of serious concern, that we try and take control over, either to show that we we know what's best, or because we have hurt, and we have fear of being hurt. And so there are matters that need some control, but it's not control, it needs for you to take responsibility. It needs for you to stand up and say, yes, I'm willing to have somebody help me. I'm willing to use a tool like a budget or like some counsel to get my marriage or my finances in order. But then there's those matters, third question, that we should just completely and utterly not even consider are our, our in our control. Is it for God alone? Do I wish to exalt my plan or embrace His promises? Is this matter for God alone? Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 to 7 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We try and control what we can't, and that brings us to being anxious. But when we give it to God, that leads us To peace. Can you change your spouse? Many of you are saying, of course, Pastor Craig, I can change my spouse. I've been trying for 42 years, and I think I'm getting somewhere. I'm trying to change his habits. I'm trying to change her habits. You can't really change your spouse, but God can change your spouse. Can you heal a loved one? Can you really heal a loved one? Is the power in you to create healing for sickness? No, but you can ask God to help you heal and see the healing come to a loved one. Can we really control our future? We have difficulty even asking Siri what the weather will do tomorrow with any degree of reliability. Can you really control your future? No, but God can control my future. You see, there are some things that we need to give to God completely and know that he is in complete control. There are some things in the middle that we need to relinquish control by taking proper responsibility. And then there are some things over here that we should just completely leave alone because quite frankly, it's not going to kill you. And by working through those three questions, maybe today you've been helped to see that, hang on, I have some control issues in some areas, and I have now got the three questions that I can start asking myself that's not going to bring about anxiety, that's not going to bring about stress, that's not going to bring about fear, it's not going to be control out of control. No, it's going to be something that brings peace into our lives. You see, let's go back for a moment in closing to the story of Abraham. Here was a man who completely loved taking control, sometimes to the detriment of generations to come. And in Genesis chapter 22, it tells of the story where God asks him now to go ahead and relinquish control over the one thing that he really, really loved, his firstborn genuine son. And so Abraham starts the journey of taking his only begotten son up a mountain to sacrifice him. And he comes and he lays down the thing that he absolutely loves on the altar And he raises the knife to kill the one thing that he would never dream of killing because God has asked him to demonstrate that he completely obeys God and not his own sense of control. This was the moment that God asked Abraham to surrender and put it down whatever he thought he knew best or whatever he was trying to protect from fear. And as he raises that knife, an angel of the Lord says, stop. And when Abraham stops and looks up, There is a ram caught in the thicket, and he's able to use the ram as the sacrifice instead of his son. He demonstrated to God that the thing he loved most, he was giving to God. God never intended Isaac to be killed, but he wanted to see that Abraham had finally relinquished the sense of control and was now stepping into a place of responsible obedience. And so Abraham passed the test, but he called that place. The Lord will provide. Abraham named that place the Lord will provide because when he relinquished his control, God was able to step in with a better plan. When he relinquished his desire to be right, God was able to show him wisdom and show him great might. When he relinquished his fear of being hurt, God was able to provide healing. When we are able to stop controlling our situation and stop trying to control the people around us, we are enabling our understanding to fall out and God's great understanding to come in. God will always provide a better way out if we're willing to give up our way and stop controlling the circumstance or the person. God is always able to provide a sacrifice if we are willing to sacrifice what we desire and what we wish to have control over. When you are able to follow Jesus and give your life and all control of your life to Jesus Christ, and you aren't in control anymore, He will take control, but He will also remove fear and give you peace. He will also remove anxiety and give you a purpose. You see, God never ever asks you to give up something unless he's providing something far richer, far greater, far more incredible in its place. And when we can understand that when we leave what we have in mind, what, when we leave the walls that we have built up to protect ourselves, God can step in and reflect his glory in our lives. When we look at the first two scriptures that we read in Corinthians and Romans, then we are able to take away the veil and we are able to see all that He has in store for us, all that He has planned for us, and everything that He wants us to be. Everything that He has ever said we are, we can be if we are willing to relinquish control, if we are willing to stop protecting ourselves from the worst and stop trying to be the best at what we think we are. You see, when we are able to sacrifice control, we are able to put down what we think God should be in the situation and let God be who He is in our situation, we are walking into a place of peace. We are walking into a place of purpose. We need to be able to lay down who we think we are to be able to become all that God says that we are. Right now, in the notes, in your quiet time, in your journal, in the notes tab, in the chat room, wherever, it, wherever you feel comfortable, why don't you start beginning to raise your hand to some instances of your life where you are either controlled or are in control to the detriment of the circumstance and to the detriment of people. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your grandkids. Maybe it's your mother and your father. Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's your colleagues. Maybe it's a situation with your finances. Where are you white-knuckling life and not allowing the life that Jesus wants for you to have to come in? Where are you maintaining control to protect yourself or to show that you know best? Why don't you start journaling those thoughts? Why don't you start journaling those matters in your life? Write them down. Share them with somebody. Share them in the prayer room. Private prayer can happen right now as well for those control areas. If you're sitting at home going, I'm not going to do that. That's a stupid exercise. Well, you keep control. You keep the control. But let me tell you something. When you begin confessing, when you begin sharing, when you begin taking responsibility And giving up control, but taking the right responsibility. Giving up the right issues to God and taking your relationship with God responsibly. Watch the peace and the lack of anxiety. Watch God just come in and change how you feel about your life. Start relinquishing. Start making a list. Is it something that I can just give up? I don't have to have control over. It's not of my concern. Is it something that I need to take responsibility for, but not take control over? I need to kind of balance that. Or is it something I need to give completely to God? Maybe that's a page in your journal right now that you're writing those three questions down and you're beginning categorizing certain areas of your life and your control that you have. I know that I used to love, love, love having control of that TV remote control. But when I saw the benefit of giving that TV remote control to my wife, Because she is sensitive to the family. She's sensitive to what comes into our home. She has a much more tuned ear to the things that can come into our home through TV. I was able to give that control up because not only was it not going to kill me, but it was actually going to make my family better by relinquishing the control. Now I know that I stepped down from my heavenly calling as a man to be in control of the remote, control in our home. But you know what? it's been better, it's not going to kill me. In fact, it's enhanced and it's grown in our family, having my wife in control of something as simple as the remote control. Control starts in the small things, but grows out of fear to either show that you know best or to show that you are fearful of being hurt, you are fearful of the worst. What things in your life do you need to relinquish control of I hope this session has helped you and unpacked in your space what it is that you can give up and you can give to Jesus. And the veil of God's glory can now be torn in two so that His glory can be shone through and you can see exactly what He says that you are. May you be blessed. Thank you so much for joining us here at Victory Life Church Online. I'm looking forward to continuing this series next week. We're going to be having a look at our right to be offended and the following week our desire for approval. Thank you so much for joining us. Look forward to seeing you this weekend and next week during our midweek services. Be blessed.